Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it might be in your part of the world. Welcome to this week's edition of The Alignment Show. My name is Don King, and I will be your host this week. We have some fantastic guests like we do every week, but I got to tell you, these folks are kind of special to me. I'll introduce them in just a second. Just want to remind you that uh, I'm going to have a book coming out probably five or six weeks, what we're looking at. Uh, way of the three-year-old why regular listeners have been hearing me talk about this for a little while it's a business fable in the tradition of the go-giver said the lady with the blue hair go for no these kind of books dan roberts has been striving for years to create a prosperous speaking business hampered by his daughter's disability a mysterious mentor shows up as a coffee coffee barista and somebody keeps leaving him guidance notes they show an uncomfortable level of knowledge about him, all focused on finding his why, the way a three-year-old does. So if you'd like to know more about that, you can always follow along on donking.com slash 3YO. Got that up on the screen here for those of you on audio only. That's the number three in the lowercase letters, YO. Well, this week we have John David Mann and Anna Gabriel Mann on with us. I, I wish we had a couple of hours, honestly, to talk with them because it's just amazing to me what all they have done in their lives. Uh, I'll, we'll be talking in just a moment about why in particular I wanted to get them on. Uh, I'm also going to mention that we've had some interesting tech issues this morning. You know, that's that happened last week as well. It's just part of what live broadcasting involves here on this medium and that's perfectly okay we'll see how things go here in just a moment but to tell you a little bit about him john david mann is a co-author of more than 30 books including four new york times bestsellers and five national bestsellers his classic 2008 parable the go-giver co-authored with bob bird and bob's been on our program before uh, that book earned the 2017 Living Now Book Awards Evergreen Medal for its contribution to positive global change. It's one of those books that just regularly shows up in the top 20 business books of all times. His first thriller, Steel Fear, was nominated for a Barry Award. Anna Gabriel Mann earned her degree in clinical psychology before going on to serve as an educator, therapist, corporate trainer, speaker, and coach. And she just told me a little while ago she started on yet another career. We'll probably mention that in just a moment. She currently coaches go-giver marriage clients and leads the go-giver marriage coaches training program, training coaches from around the globe. John and Anna have been dreaming about writing The Go-Giver Marriage together for nearly two decades. The book was released in March 2022, and we'll share the link with you on that in a bit. But today we want to talk with them about origin stories and how they got into what they're doing. Let's bring on right now John David Mann and Anna Gabriel Mann. Welcome to the program, folks. <laughs> good morning 
And there's John's audio check. We hadn't even had a chance to check the microphone as yet, but that's working. And I know Anna's is working. So thanks for dealing with the tech issues this morning, but we're not going to dwell on those. Um, John, I did get to talk with Anna a little more before we started. And so, um, you know, what we focus on here with the alignment show is living your values to value your life. And that's where this origin story thing comes in, because a lot of people will have dreams. They will have things that they want to do. But I don't know. It's not so much that life gets in the way because life happened to you guys. Um, and, and for our regular listeners, I'm going to take a quick side trip here and note that one of the things we share in common is having special needs children. Uh, special needs children have feels like to me has has caused me challenges in pursuing what I wanted to professionally. So I'm just real interested in how you all juggled everything. Uh, and I will mention one of the things that has impressed me about the two of you is I've heard you on other interview shows. You do a fantastic job of handing off to each other. So rather than <laughs> questioning you each individually, I'm just going to put a question out there and let you all decide who wants to go first, how to go back and forth with it, if that makes sense. Um, I'm doing a lot of talking. I don't want to do that. John, one of the first things that struck me is that when you were in high school, you started a high school. I, I have to assume that means that you weren't satisfied with what was, what was happening. Instead of just griping about it, you took steps to fix things. So just for the two of you, what has enabled you to, to actually pursue the things that were important to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just jump in there and say, I think, you know, for Anna, it's curiosity. For me, it's impetuosity. <laughs> I, um, I, I, yeah, I'm always, I'm kind of always moving. Um, I'm a, I'm a, a, uh, uh, an introvert. I'm a quiet guy, but I'm, my, my mind is always kind of going. So I have, I have pinballed through my life, through multiple careers, multiple interests. Um, and, and, and none of it was ever, exactly intentional it's just kind of i i've met circumstance and said huh that's interesting so you're right i i, I hated the school i was in it wasn't awful but i wasn't learning anything it was dull as dishwater it was just mediocre i was just it was babysitting in a big in a big concrete building and um i i had been to a very creative thinking arts oriented independent small private school, not a, not a, you know, private school for the rich, but a private school for the, for the weird, <laughs> for the artsy, for the, for the interesting, but where my mother had taught. And so I had, I had the background of having had interesting education. And now I was plopped in a public high school where it was just like, you know, as I say, being in a cell block. And a bunch of my friends and I got together and said, what would it be like if we had a school where you could learn? And not only that, you could learn whatever you want as much as you want. You could take as many classes as you want. At the time, this was the days of the free school movements, um, Summerhill and all that in the mid late seventies. And a lot of kids were starting schools, were getting into schools to kind of drop out and do nothing. And we were the opposite. We, we wanted to drop in and do everything. Um, and so that first semester I started a school and, and we had about 50 kids that first semester. And we had about 55 classes on everything from uh, physics to computer science to nutrition to ancient you know, all kinds of things, and I eventually graduated from that school. Went back and taught at it on the faculty, 
Um, and it went on for uh, over a decade. It was a very successful school. We sent our graduates on to places like state universities and we sent uh, a guy to Harvard and uh, my girlfriend went to Yale. And so it was it was successful. And um, I've kind of been been initiating and innovating ever since. It just fascinates me just because of what I know about bureaucracy, you know, how, how without spending a lot of time on it, you this wasn't just something you guys were doing in the afternoons after real school. This was a real school. Right. Right. And and people would say, well, how do you expect to you know get into college if you're not accredited? Well, we just did expect to get into college if we weren't accredited. And we did. Um, mm. I, 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 I've always believed that uh, creativity forges its own tracks. So um, this is not to say that, you know, I, I don't I, I don't want to come off as an advocate of uh, going counter to every system that exists, but it's, it's, been, it's been working for me pretty well so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and let's, uh, you know, for 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 both of you here. Um, I know the next I don't know if the very next thing, John, but I know that you had a career as a concert musician. Yeah, which is a little different than what you're doing now. Anna, you started in a what we might think as a more traditional kind of psychotherapy sort of thing. You know, how how do things thread from from high school, your own high school concert musician, best-selling author, Anna, you know, from traditional psychotherapy to the kind of work you're doing now, which it's not weird, but, you know, it's not the traditional stuff. Yeah, but I did a lot of other stuff before the psychotherapy started, so I'll just be quiet now. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so please, <laughs> uh, how, how do you go through all of this? Well, I'll give you the origin, because the origin is really what makes it come to life, I think. Um, my parents were of the World War II generation, and so my father actually served in World War II. My parents had both grown up on farms. And so they were never, um, you know, I mean, they went to high school and they went off to go to work. My mother went to a, a nursing school in Boston and my father went off to World War II. And so when he came home, he met my mom and they got married and he never ended up going to college. And so his entire life, he felt like he had missed an opportunity and it was an opportunity that he wanted. And so... And they were very middle class. You know, my mom worked as a nurse um, part time and then raised us as well. And my my father um, uh, worked first as a mechanic and then went on to be a teacher. Um, and but he served for probably 16 years as a non degree teacher and was actually voted the teacher of the year in the state of in the state of Vermont. And so in his mid 40s. He decided to go to the University Without Walls at the University of Massachusetts. Now, he, he taught in Brattleboro, Vermont. The University of Massachusetts is an hour and 15 minutes south of that. And we lived sort of mid-distance between the two. And so he actually would get up in the morning in order to afford going to university. He'd get up in the morning, drive a donut and newspaper route at 4 a.m. in the morning. And then he would teach. He would drop off newspapers and donuts all over Brattleboro and all the way up. And then he would teach all day long until three. And then he would drive to the university and take classes until eight or nine at night. And then he would come home and go to sleep immediately and then get up and do it all over again because his donut route started at four in the morning. 
So he actually worked just long hours to get a bachelor's degree. He did this for years on end because he couldn't go to school full time. So he was going part time. And um, the thing that inspired me about it, because I was a teenager when this all happened, and we, I, I used to ride along with him in the morning on on weekends and at times when I could just be with him. And uh, I just found it so incredible that he went after his degree, and I think somewhere around 51 or 52, he graduated as with magna cum laude from the university without walls. Now, my father had been a World War II soldier in a, in a, a mortar platoon, went on to be a, a, a mechanic, went on to teach and, and taught in a non-degree situation. And in one fell swoop, getting his degree, he got 16 years of back pay that gave him, enabled him to have a retirement with, as a teacher. And what was powerful about it was that he kind of modeled for us. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care what your finances are. If you want to change your life, you make a decision and you do the work to make it happen. And I mean, six or seven years of four in the morning. And on weekends, he would write papers all weekend long. That's all he did because he had to hand his, him, his homework. So it was this incredible six or seven year dedication to get a bachelor's degree. And after that, I looked at the world and said, okay, whatever I want to do, I just have to figure it out and I have to go after it. Mm. And so, yeah, I went to college, but the truth is, I dropped out of college. I went back to college. I changed my focus. You know, it, by the time I actually got to my master's degree and got to the clinical supervisor who changed my life, um, because she was so profoundly intelligent and so profoundly capable of understanding human pain, um, I really was in my early 30s and had grown up quite a bit and had worked my entire way. My parents were never able to pay for college for me. So from the minute I went to college, um, which was community college, because that's what we could afford, I ended up um, working. I worked, um, you know, I, I joyously called it life under the tray. I was a, a waitress for for 15 years. In fact, Bob Berg, who's on the call right now, um, used to stop at the Howard Johnson's that I worked at for breakfast. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, it was just incredible. I mean, I didn't know him then. He didn't know me, but he used to stop at that very Howard Johnson's all the time. And I always worked the breakfast shift. So chances are I waited on him. Almost um, certainly, yeah. The unifying, the unifying theme here in this entire story you see is donuts. I hope you're picking up on this. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Um, but what it inspired me toward was the idea that, you know, it's like I've changed careers a few times. I mean, at one point I got into business and I realized that the particular type of business I was in was just a total wrong fit for me. And I, I felt like, um, it, it just brought out, I don't know. It just brought out the worst side of, of my feeling of just needing to kind of really constantly be going after leads and constantly going after things in a way that just didn't feel authentic for me and, and felt awful. So I got out of it and went back to my original work. Um, and you know, sometimes you, you, you need to sort of really check in with yourself and, and figure out your values to figure out what fits for you in life. I mean, mm. Now, in fact, let me let me throw something out here in 
in this context and also what we hear a lot of discussion about, we'll hear people talk about life work balance. Yeah. And, and what you're describing in going after what's important to you is doesn't fit, I think, the stereotype of balance. Uh, you know, because if, if you're play devil's advocate here for a little bit, you know, your dad is working and sleeping. And yet, you know, this is something that was a very positive overall in your life. Anna. And, and John, I'm, I'm sure that the same thing was happening with you. Uh, you know, the, the number of careers you've had and all that kind of thing. And given we want to focus, I've got going on the crawl down here, by the way, for folks who are on audio only, these folks are doing so many things. I'm putting up on the screen, their various websites. As we talk, Mm -hmm. I will make sure that those links are in the show notes. So be sure that you know confidencecultivators.com so that you can get to all of these resources. But one of their most recent aspects of work is the go-giver marriage. You know, and so I'm just, this is a big question, but I'm thinking, how does this thing of balance and taking care of each other meld with pursuing the things that are so important to you individually? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it surely does. And I'm just going to jump in with with something right, you know, right out of the original Go-Giver. You know, there's this passage where, where Pindar and Joe are talking and, and talks about uh, uh, 50-50 in, in a marriage. There's a marriage isn't 50-50. And, and um, our, our friend Dan Rockwell put this beautifully in a sentence that Anna and I grabbed and, and put in the Go-Giver marriage. A 50-50 marriage is a formula for failure. And it's the same thing with work-life balance. I think a lot of people have this concept of work-life balance, which I don't think is actually a healthy concept, which is you need to have times when you're doing your work, which, you know, maybe you hate or anyway, it's it's a sacrifice that you make in order to feed your life. And then other times you're doing your life and that's fun and you enjoy that. And okay, now we have to go back to the drudge of the work and we want to make sure there's enough good balance of the bad part and the good part. Or, or of the the responsibility part with the fun part, or of the obligation part, the drag part with the vacation and recreation part. And I just think that's that sounds like to me such a sad way to live. It's kind of like a constant trade off. It's sort of like a relationship where we say, okay, sometimes we'll do it your way, and sometimes we'll do it my way. Which is not exactly the definition of a thriving relationship, and and you know and when Bob and I were in the goal in the goal giver, we were talking about it in terms of business relationships, but it's really any human relationships. Um, it's like I scratch your back and then you scratch my back. It's sort of like a business transaction, and I think that genuine work life balance isn't something that's transactional, isn't constant trade offs. It is carving a life where your work, your pursuits, your aspirations, and your everyday living and your living situation are all aligned. They're all in alignment. So that when you're doing your work, it's an expression of your life. And when you're living your life, it's an expression of your work. It's all, it isn't the same thing as the guy who always brings his work home and so he's at his, he's always, you know, thinking calculations and, and he's at the, at the breakfast table, you know, doing his sales accounts and balancing the checkbook. And I don't mean that. I mean, it's a life where you're always living. You're always living your life. And I think part of the reason that Anna and I have both 
honestly bounced around between many careers in our lives. We've, we've done many, many different things. I think part of that is that we've always been seeking sort of the highest, if I can speak for you, sweetheart, <laughs> for me, and I, we've always been seeking the highest expression of who we are. We've always been seeking the truest expression of who we are. And there, as Anna was saying, she was in this particular form of business and it wasn't, it just wasn't an expression of who she was. I was in a lot of things that worked for me for a while, but I kind of outgrew them like a snake in his skin. I didn't not to call myself a snake, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, uh, I, I only started writing books, honestly, in my second half of my life, in my fifties. And this is like a whole new discovery for me. It feels like what I was looking for my whole life. Um, but I think that life is like that. You know, Joan Didion said, I write to find out what I think. And, you know, we put those words in the mouth of Aunt Elle and the Go-Giver Leader. And she says, here's what I think. I think we live to find out who we are. And mm. that's, I think, you know, you talk about alignment of values. That's kind of what we're both about is always looking for how to live our truest life in, in the biggest way. Mm-hmm. And, and also to give back. You know, and it's not, you know, the go-giver isn't based on giving back. It's based on who you are as a person. I mean, I think Bob expresses it best. You know, whenever I listen to him talk, I'm just like, yeah, he completely gets it. And he has, you know, I mean, Bob and John have a lot of followers worldwide that not only got the message, but they live it. And when you're that kind of person... You know, my mother, during that seven years, I remember I was a teenager. I said to her one day, how can you stand this? You know, you never see him. And and, um, she said, everything that he's doing, he's doing for us. And she said, and so everything I'm doing to hold the home fires together, I'm doing for us as well. So, you know, I'm in it for the long, I'm in it for good. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is just part of the, part of the journey. And, and this part will have a closure. There'll, there'll be another chapter, which there was. So, you know, it's always about expressing yourself in a way that serves the larger world. And, uh, it sounds like they were very clear on their why, you know, as the, the phrase is these days. Um, you guys seem very clear on your why. Uh, let me, I put you on the spot just a little bit because this is a uh, a question that we had really thought about, but you know, this is a conversational thing. This is coming, coming up to my mind right now. You said you've each done multiple careers. Do you have a sense that there is a core or a set of core values at the heart of that? Just to, to what I'm thinking about right now, I can look at all the things that I have done and I see that everything has something to do with curiosity or with connection. Okay. You know, there, there are things that they all have in common. Whereas if you just looked at my resume, you might say you couldn't settle on a job, could you? (laughs) So so what's the thread that runs throughout all of the things that you guys have done? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, And I, I, I will venture to share that for both of us, and I am going to speak for you, John, on this one. Creativity holds um, an enormous place because both of us have been drawn to varying careers that allowed us to express ourselves creatively. John 
music, writing. Um, you know, he's a gifted writer. He's not just a good writer. He's a gifted writer. Um, and, you know, for myself, I actually left college, took off in my mid-20s, um, moved abroad and danced professionally for three years with a, with a, with a company, a dance company. And, you know, it was a time of my life where I just felt incredible joy and creativity. Um, I knew it wasn't a lifelong career, but the time was, the moment was there and, um, the opportunity. So, and, you know, I went back, I've gone back to school multiple times to study things. So curiosity, creativity, and curiosity are the cornerstones for us. Both of us are extremely curious. Both of us love to research, love to learn. Um, I think that, you know, I could easily see us in our 70s and 80s, you know, taking on yet new things that are um, exciting to us. And I want to add something too, Don, about that creativity piece. Honestly, you know, but we, we both look for Alice to create, to express ourselves. And I just want to clarify this too, that, it, that creativity isn't just expressing me, like, or on a her. It isn't just expressing ourselves. For me, genuine creativity is, is, is not just expressing my experience. It's expressing your experience and everybody's. It's expressing others' experiences. For me, the, you know, what I get a big charge out of is taking life experience uh, of everybody, lots of people, um, uh, is grabbing some, some complex, messy, bewildering life experience and kind of distilling it, not cheapening it, but distilling it, condensing it into a place where you can really grasp it and understand it and, and, and putting it out there. Um, taking, complex ideas and expressing them in simple, relatable, comprehensible forms has always been something that just just fascinates me and gives me joy. So if I'm sitting and giving a concert in the cello, I'm expressing myself, but I'm also expressing Beethoven, or I'm also expressing a whole time in uh, you know Vienna in the, in the 18th and 19th centuries. It, it's I'm expressing humanity. And that's to me, I think what, like when Anna sits down with somebody in, in coaching and she's working with somebody, she doesn't work with couples she works with couples individually, so it's like one person at a time. It's marriage coaching, like uh, like Sophia in the Go Giver Marriage. She does I was going to say, and just a real quick throw this in: this is one of the things you see in the Go Giver Marriage, the book, the Go Giver Marriage, and that's one of the things that's different. So, thanks yeah. for bringing that out, John. I hate to interrupt, but I want to be sure people got that. Yeah, Sophia is is uh, uh, is disguised Anna, and I called her Sophia because Sophia means wisdom, and Anna is smarter than I am. So, <laughs> so when she, she's doing coaching somebody, she's bringing them their experience. She's helping to articulate their experience. She's bringing it out of them. It isn't her telling you what to do or expounding on how a marriage works or giving a lecture on the five secrets of lasting love. It's her helping a person doing the thing that Joan Didion said, you know, live to find out who they are. And I, I think that's, that's what really delights us both. We both started out in life doing that in the arts with me, with the cello and composition, with her, with dance. Um, and, and we've kind of gravitated then into um, academic disciplines and writing and teaching. We both love to teach. But the thing about loving to teach isn't teaching a subject. It's, it's like teaching you teaching your life, teaching our lives, bring, bring it to life. That's really what it is, how things work. Indeed, indeed. I mean, there's just, oh, man, I, I'm 
mean it, we can talk for a couple of hours here. I, <laughs> Uh, okay. I want to be sure as we are coming close to an end here, I want to be sure folks know what you're up to now. Got to ask real quickly, without spending a lot of time on this, John, do you still keep playing the cello even though you're not doing it professionally? Anna, are you still dancing even though you're not doing it professionally now? Do you keep that going or is that something that you said, okay, I'm into something else now, something else that is expressing my creativity? For me, simple. No, not really. I don't keep it up. Uh, it's not satisfying for me to play the cello by myself in my room. It's satisfying for me to play with an ensemble of great musicians. I don't do that now. So the cello's in a case, and I pour that music energy in composition. Same deal. I'm not composing. I pour that energy into writing. That's that's my cello. That's my composition. Mm-hmm. Same for you, Anna. Actually, pretty much the same. Yes, I still dance. You know, just playful dancing. Um, yeah, but yeah. professional dancing is behind um, behind me at this time. But I, you know, I find that there's always a creative avenue. I mean, I this summer, I, you know, for years, I, I, I actually first majored in art at, at college. And um, in the last year, I've just started painting again and, wow. and loving it. So, it's you know, really it's good. it's uh, really good done. <laughs> I, I believe it. I believe it. And see, one of the things that strikes me about both of you, you don't, it sounds cliche to say you don't let it stop you, but I think this is something really to bring out for our listeners who might be thinking about, okay, you know, I used to love doing XYZ. I'm 50 years old now. It's too late. The ship has already sailed. You guys want to do something. You just do it. Hey, the ship might have sailed, but the, the shocking thing is there are more ships in the harbor waiting. <laughs> they're, they're never going to run out of ships. Yeah and, yeah. and the truth is that every single um, avocation that becomes a vocation, you know, it's the 10,000 hours. It's like, yeah. what are you doing with your time? If you're scrolling social media and that's the only life you have in your spare time, then you might be leaving yourself, cutting yourself short of having a richer, fuller, you know, maybe diving into great novels is something you love to spend time doing. Maybe, you know, painting, maybe some other art form, gardening, whatever it is, bird watching, Mm. you know, it's like there's thousands and thousands of ways to express yourself creatively in the world. The question is, will you make the time? Will you carve the time for yourself? Mm. And will you give it to yourself? Let me throw something out there to you, uh, a quote from, I think, from Zig Ziglar. I may have the source wrong, but he said, you can do anything you want in life. You just can't do everything. And I'm hearing you saying, you know, I've left professional dance behind. I don't play the cello anymore. I'm still expressing my creativity. I'm choosing different channels. Yeah. Any thoughts for people about pick a lane, you know, I mean, focus on something for two or three years at a time or, or, because if you try to do everything, you do none of it very effectively. Does that make sense? It does. I I will say this kind of, it's a slightly different thought, but it's related. And that is learning how to say no to things that are going to take time. That is a distraction from where I really want to put my focus has been difficult for me and hugely important for me that learning how to say no appropriately is, is, is so, so key. And you don't do that. You can't do that unless you know where your focus is. So back to what you said, Don. Yeah. I think, um, 
I'm not sure about choose your lane as much as make your focus intentional. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, and Anna, I don't know if you want to mention it. I think you told me before we started broadcast that you were starting on something kind of new. I, you may or may not want to mention it. It was painting. It was painting. Okay, the, the painting thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and I, I dabble in other things, but not 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 necessarily as a business or as an as an avocation. And um, I think that that's a good point to make right there as well. If you can make money at it, great. But it doesn't have to be about the making money. It's more about the focus. Exactly. And and what kind of joy does it bring to you? You know, oh. is it something that that actually makes your heart light up? Because that's to me also very important. You know, sometimes when I'm coaching somebody and we're really looking at the different areas of their, their life, you know, reinvention or, or creativity is a real place in everyone's life. It's like, what are you doing that brings you creative joy? And by the way, not to be mercenary about this, Don, but if you do things that bring you joy, if you light yourself up like a Christmas, like Christmas tree, you're going to be more magnetic at whatever it is that you're doing that does bring you money, that does bring you income. You're going to be a more effective operator in the world of commerce because you're more interesting. You're more attractive. You're more gravitational. Indeed. Indeed. Well, we're a little over our usual time, but I want to be sure we get in what you guys are doing right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to put some QR codes up here for folks who have a screen. And again, for folks who are on audio only, we'll have these links in the show notes. But one of the things we've talked about a few times here is The Go-Giver Marriage. Now, this is a book, and I think uh, the QR code I've got there um, goes to their website, not specifically to the book, because you can get to the book from their website. But they're also doing other things there. Anna, you are uh, training people in how to be a coach in this kind of thing. Um, so how is this coming together for you guys right now? Does that make sense? The question makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, it's, it's an ongoing uh, journey of learning, you know, as I'm uh, training people, you know, a lot of the people that we're training, we're training them to teach a specific um, program that kind of lays out the concepts of the book and lays out an understanding of, of the five secrets to lasting love and, gives them an opportunity to sort of explore it. So, yeah, it's an ongoing journey. And um, right now we're actually doing programs for law firms where we're teaching the five secrets to, um, to the staff, believe it or not, on how to have really fulfilling relationships with each other. So yeah. the Go-Giver Marriage is about relationships and it extends to parenting, it extends to your work relationships, it extends to a variety of ways that you're connecting and communicating in your world. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I have to say one of the things I love about the book, and I, I do love the book, uh, it is not only the, it's not a business fable, it is a fable. Uh, fable, the idea of fable or parable is that we're using the techniques of fiction to teach nonfiction principles. Is that a good way to put it? And this is a fable within a fable. I mean, John, I, you know, it sounds complicated and yet it works so well. This book is set up to where there's the fable. And then the second half of the book 
is a nonfiction book that just steps you through the how to apply these principles. Have I expressed that effectively? Absolutely. Yeah. The first half is the, is the story. The story illustrates these, these five, we call them secrets of lasting love. The second half is, Anna wrote the second half and she basically it's, it's where it's this, it's the part of the book that says, okay, here's what you just read and here's what it means. And here's how you do it. <laughs> here's what we just said and here's how it actually relates to you. Um, and it's, I think it's a brilliant part of the book. I, I originally thought it was going to be a, you know, like four or five pages and it, 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 when Anna, as Anna wrote it, it blossomed into a full half of the book, and it and it should be, and it's it's in many ways the more valuable part of the book. But the the fable within the fable was yes, definitely a lot of fun to write, a lot of fun. Uh, and and I, it doesn't surprise me that it would be fun. Now let's focus on the writing thing for just a little bit here, and I'm I'm losing track of my QR <laughs> codes. This is like running a starship sometimes. Um, <laughs> but we've got. Uh, uh, John, you've got some books that have come out that are coming out. You know, this this is the fiction uh, thing. I put the thrillers. I'm just calling it thrillers. QR, yeah. QR code up on the screen. Uh, you've released the third in a trilogy written with former Navy SEAL Brandon Webb. Yeah. So this to me, this is a whole other thing. I mean, it's all writing. And yet. Wow, how difficult it is to combine nonfiction writing and fiction writing, and yeah, you know it's um, so. Speaking of uh, of reinventing yourself and of aligning values, you know, and, and most people who, who have heard me before know this story. I I I consider the idea of writing a novel, a four hundred page novel, unimaginably difficult and impossibly complex, and something I could never do. And Anna kept telling me for years, "Oh, you'd be great at that," and I did not believe her. I genuinely did not believe her, although I appreciated what she said. I couldn't believe it. Um, and then I finally ended up believing her and gave it a whirl. And there it is. So the, these three stories, these three, they're thrillers. Uh, and yet, because I'm a, I got parable background, there's sort of, they sort of a sneaky backdoor parable in, in them too. The first one, Steel Fear, is kind of a, is kind of a parable in leadership disguised as a thriller. The second one is a parable on friendship disguised as, as a thriller. And this one, Blind Fear, is a parable on family and childhood disguised as a thriller. But they're thrillers and they're really, they're really pretty, they're, they're pretty gripping. You're hard, they're hard to put down. Um, that, that third one just came out this summer. I've been spending weeks on a, on a book tour with, uh, all around the country for that book. And then I know you may have a, a whole new QR code for this, but I've got another parable coming out in exactly two weeks. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, and I didn't get a QR code for that one, but let's That's let's okay. mention the link if you can, and then I'll be sure and get it in the show notes. Sure. Um, and and so that's that's with that's not with Bob Berg. I mean, you have you have co-written parables with some uh, David Bach with the Latte Factor. You know, I just thirty books, folks. I can't name them all here. Okay. Um, so the the this new parable in a sec. I'll break. I'll go grab a copy and hold up the book cover. But it's called The Vagrant. The Vagrant, and I wrote this with Dan Rockwell, who is a dear friend of both Bob's and myself. Has been a huge supporter of the Go Giver for years, uh, and Dan is creator of this blog called Leadership Freak, which is one of the most, if not the most popular blogs on leadership on the planet. It's enormously popular. He has a huge following. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, very humble, sweet, genuine guy. Delight to listen to. Got a great voice. You feel like he's your grandpa. 
And um, he's doing a bunch of podcasts right now, if you get a chance to catch him on on any of these channels. But The Vagrant comes to wherever fine books are sold on September 19. That's a Tuesday coming up. So that'll be fun. Very good. Very good. And for folks who are wanting to learn a little bit more about the whole writing thing, I mean, how to do this, we're going to point them to your website, johndavidman.com. We've we've had some comments. I've been sharing comments on the screen. Again, folks, we're so tight on time. I've not been reading the comments out, but a lot of folks commenting on various things here. And uh, Jeff West, one of one of our good friends, um, and and Peg Duchesne, they've been talking about John's course. So you can find out more about that. And where's that little thing here? I want to get the crawl up here for johndavidman.com. So John, website, there's a little tab on top. It says mentorship or mentoring. And that's, that's, or actually it says mentoring program. And that's our coaching program. I forget what the tab says, something like that. Coaching program. That's, that's the one. That's the program. Excellent. Excellent. Well, well, folks, I know I've kept you over time. Thank you so much for this this morning. I feel like we're making a big difference for for our listeners. Um, what have I got to get off the screen here? There we are. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll have all those links in the show notes, folks. And uh, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, looking forward to the vagrant. We're getting lots of comments here about the vagrant and all that coming up. Two weeks. I didn't realize it was so close. And uh, Jeff West is uh, another parable writer, and he's. I, I'm learning so very much from John. He's in the course right now. Yeah, uh, has been. And so, uh, fantastic resources here, folks. Don't go away. I want to come back and thank you quickly for uh, for being here, but just to let folks know. What's coming up next week? I wish I could remember what it was. Oh, I should have looked at this before getting on again, folks. This is the beauty of um, of live TV, although it's not TV. But uh, we do have a guest lined up next week, and that will be... Come on, calendar, load, load. There we are. Ah, yes, Noemi Barris, another member of the Go-Giver Success Alliance. Noemi works with people with podcasts. And so this is going to be a fantastic conversation as well. Remember to tune in again next week, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, if you miss the live, we can always get you the uh, the replay at confidencecultivators.com. I I really do feel like we should have had a couple of hours here, but I just wanted to share John, David, and Anna Gabriel, man, with you. Follow them and learn more from them. They will change your lives. And we are talking about on the Alignment Show, living your values to value your life. Join us again next week. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week 
on The Alignment Show.